What do you guys, um, how do you guys feel about people that get visions? Like, let's say they get hit by a car or, you know, they, they proclaim dead for a certain amount of hours and, uh, they get visions of heaven, visions of hell. What do you guys think about that? I mean, we, it doesn't have to be so heavy. This can be <laughs> conversational. <laughs> um, I don't know what I think about that. Think? Mark, what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be biased. <laughs> mm. Okay, I I can't say that they're just making it up because I haven't experienced that. Mm. Okay. But if I'm honest, my gut reaction is to not believe them. Yes, I agree with that. Me too. I feel like I'm, yeah, I'm quick to be skeptical of not just that, but everything in life. Which isn't uh, a bad thing, but right. it can... You can be too skeptical also. I think I'm skeptical off the bat, but I'm also open to things. You yeah. know, it's not like I'm not open to learning new things. No, it's okay to question things too. I just... Uh, well, yeah, if I wasn't skeptical about Christianity, mm. I don't think I would believe in it. Mm. Good I ha- point. I had to start there. That's true. That's a good point. But uh, that's a perfect segue for the start of our Breaking show. Breaking news on Bible Dingers News Network. <laughs> Hey! You guys know how we start this show. Fake news or real news? Of course. Of course. Of course. Woman dead for 23 hours in hell reports seeing Michael Jackson, Pope John Paul II, and Selena. Is this a fake news or a real news headline? <laughs> it's so music centric, except for the Pope, I guess. Fake news or real news, baby? Well, is it? Wait. So, are we saying that she said these things? I'm saying, is it a real or fake headline? Is it real news or fake news? You know how this game is played, bro. It's really hard not to talk. We don't have to. Uh, come on. Which how many pope? episodes have we recorded? Which Pope, though? <laughs> Which Pope's in hell? All of them. Which one did no. she see, though? No, no, no. John Paul II. Wasn't he a good pope? I don't know. I don't care about the popes. Yeah, me neither. All right. Um, I'm going to say news. that's real news, that a person, yes, did say those things. That's not what I said, because I just said but, those things. But you understand what I'm saying. No. I'm saying that, yes, a It's real news. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a real headline. All right. All right. A girl. A girl. Listen, this is making my wife's country look, eh. A girl from Ecuador. I'm not going to say her name. She's 18 years old. Okay. And she was dead for 23 hours. And she found herself in hell with many personalities that include Michael Jackson, (laughs) the singer, and Paul... John, I mean, Paul John. John Paul II, Sean Paul. Um, the woman claims that she was chosen by Jesus to pay a visit to hell and heaven and speaks about the famous people that she viewed in hell regarding the glories of heaven and the rapture of the end times. The woman told that the Lord had said to her that there were various great people in hell and many who had understood about the Lord and he had told her and he had told that he was going to reveal her another part of the furnace. She went on to define a place in viewing a woman encircled by flames as she was tormented and pleading for mercy from the Lord. Am I reading too much? Wait, I don't... 
Wait, there was great people down there? <laughs> I don't get it. Hold on. This what, is the like, good part. Like this, big name Wait, people. this is the good oh, part. The like woman the told how the Lord had warned the woman with his hand and told her, you see that woman there in the flames? Guess who that was? Sia. Selena. Oh, Selena. Yep. What did Selena do that was so bad? She was in flames. Have you heard her music? Because her music was hot, bro. Oh. <laughs> it would be funny if she had a song called In Flames or something like that. That would be sick. Or like Circle of Fire and, or something. But this was all a joke that you made? No, this is real news. But I'm saying that would be funny. Yeah. Yeah, do that next week. Yeah. I'll just make this up you again. You should really come up with like an elaborate real news or fake news, but then have a really cheesy joke at the end. Do you know how much time this takes to come up with these headlines? And now you want me to make my own with I'm going to guess detail? four minutes. Okay. <laughs> four minutes. Four minutes. Ooh. I've seen that once before in one of these episodes. I don't Did really you? believe the part is Jesus being like this tour guide of hell. Yeah, I don't believe that either. So this whole thing is fluff. Didn't I don't think he, it's real. Um, I believe that great people will be in hell, but... Not that Jesus is your tour guide. What do you mean great. great people? What, like famous people. Okay. Yeah, what's that supposed to mean, Mark? What? Great people. I'm just saying what the article said. It seems kind of racist. You mean famous people. Yeah, but the article yeah. said great people. Great, yeah. I got you, bro. We got to do a colossal. I do not mess with imposters. No. My man like Dill. I feel like Nelly Furtado. Hey. Felt like a Bible diggers. Oh. I'm a good way and they follow. I got the force like Kylo. Oh. I was thinking about playing Memphis Mayfire right here. We gotta do a colossal. Uh-huh. Yeah. We gotta do a colossal. That's my man, no big deal. I feel like a bird from Toronto. Uh-huh. Yeah. We gotta do a colossal. I gotta say, he really grew on me. I like No Big Deal ever since we saw his show. He grew on you like a like I, a wart. I didn't really like him in the beginning, but yeah. now I really do. Don't play Memphis Mayfire. We want people to stay. Um, I love Memphis Mayfire. You also like Taylor Swift, so this conversation's over. Both of those are good musical artists. Yeah, I didn't say that. No, I meant more like, I don't like they're them. just gonna all the screaming will turn people. Uh, it's gonna scare people. It is Halloween time now. That's true. Well, not when this comes out. No. It'll be like... Actually, it will be Thanksgiving. Like Halloween time. Yeah. Two it's weeks. November. Are you guys going to shave? No. You're shaving in November? No. That's the point. No, shave November. Yeah. Oh. Do we don't think, shave usually, though. Do you think Job shaved in November? Ooh. <laughs> Talk about a segue. <laughs> well, I, know I don't think they had any way to shave. Well, yeah, they had blades. Yeah, and they had pottery that they broke. That th yeah, rocks that they sharpened and just... Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a thing, though. Really? Yeah, we'll see it later on in the outline part. People Sick. still shave with blades. That he You go to the barber to get that old-fashioned shave. Mm, the Dominican barber? I forget what it's called. I love Dominican barbers. They oh. make your hair and beard too perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It, looks it, fake. it looks like sharp. It goes too far and it doesn't look good. Yeah, I don't know. It looks good to me because I go to a Dominican barber. Anyway, just in case this is, your, <laughs> this is your first time listening, there is structure to this. We always start to show. You say that every time we record. Yeah, like you got to reassure people. Like, hey, listen, we're not stupid. <laughs> we do well, have a point. Just in case they were on the phone and they just decided to scroll through Job 
and click on it, which is unlikely, but just in case, I'm explaining how the ch- the show works, okay? Mm, okay. We start with fake news or real news. We go through the topic that we're in right now is the book of Job. We do an intro. We do title. We do date of authorship. And then we go through our outline. But this episode is about the book of Job. The book of Job. Mm. The, the book of Job. Yeah, I think you mean Job. Mm. Job. Yeah. As you guys that have been listening know, we've been reviewing the historical books of the Old Testament. But now we're moving into wisdom literature of the Old Testament. Um, Wisdom literature falls into the category of the book of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Um, They're all very unique and all have a special reason as to why they're in the canon of Scripture, but they're not as historically or theologically driven as the Pentateuch or historical books or historical sections of the Old Testament. Um, But these are personal books. Uh, wisdom literature means that we're going to gain something from it. We know how to deal with certain life situations. Um, and they, they have very personal applications in them. Um, a lot of the truths developed in these books are just as relevant today as they were when they originally wrote it. Um, next is the title. We need to discuss it. Uh, the title of the book, as with other Old Testament books, is derived from the main character of the book as opposed to the author. Um, the name Job could mean hated or persecuted. Fantastic name. Mm. Awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. I my kid that. Mom births you, and she's like, hmm, hated. Well, it's funny you say that because some people think that it wasn't his real name, that it was just given to him by his friends. Oh. And he was definitely persecuted. Wow, his friends suck. Yeah. Mm, I also hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Have you read the book? I mean, most of his friends do suck. (laughs) I hate you like your mom does. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, uh, his name really should have been Job. Mm, You know? Because, yeah, he was... Jobs are pretty brutal, too, so either way. Mm, I get it. I hate my job. Yeah. I love mine. I actually like it. They can listen to this. Honestly, I like it, yeah. Yeah. I love it, too. my boss is the best... I love my boss. (laughs) Hope you're listening, buddy. Um, Anyway, as far as the book goes, we're not sure when or who wrote it. It is possible that the book was written later than the events that occurred and that God divinely inspired the writer to write about the events that they didn't even know about. Um, This seems to be the case with a lot of the stories we read throughout Scripture, uh, specifically the story of Moses and Genesis. There's no way that he was there during the events of creation, um, but he was inspired mm-hmm. by God. And some scholars say that maybe he had some writings that helped him get this information, but nonetheless, he was inspired. And in this case, in the book of Job, some of the suggested authors could be Solomon, Hezekiah, Isaiah, Ezra, Jeremiah, or an anonymous writer who predate Jesus by only 200 years. Hmm. Um, out of all those, most likely Solomon is the best, cho- best choice because he wrote the other wisdom literature books, but um, he didn't write a large majority of the book of Psalms. Either way, he did write a large majority of the wisdom books, so he might be a good candidate. Um, it may have been an ancient author, though, 
Some have suggested Moses, since he had been inspired by God, or have written other events, like we mentioned before. Um, and others suggest it may have been Job himself or Elihu, the fourth friend that we're going to tell you about in the outline. I think it, that it's unlikely that Job wrote it, though. I don't know about you guys. Why do you think it would be unlikely? I mean, Nicholas. While you're reading this, you see that his ignorance is on full display many times in the book. He has oh. no idea what's going on. He wouldn't write about that? He's an ignoramus. I mean, the way the story is being told, he has no idea what's going on. You know, um, most people that are writing it have a tone where you can see it. You know where it's going. There's no way that he wrote that. Um, but what, what tense is it written in? Maybe he did. Or oh, a, I don't know. Is it present tense? Third person? What are you guys looking at me? Ryan? I didn't write it. Bible scholar? Look at you. <laughs> um, I don't know, but I might have written it in this section. So I don't hold so. on to your butts. I don't think so, buddy. I don't think so, Betty. Oh, yeah. That's my alter ego. Betty. Yeah, Betty. Who's Betty? Bro, when I was listening to that episode and I said Betty by mistake, I literally started crying in the car. Oh, because you were so sad. It was so funny. <laughs> it was such a um, sad Anyway. Why? Why did I say Betty? It was funny. It was great. I love it. Oh. Um, <laughs> anyway, here's some reasons why it was probably written very early on in history. The literary style of the book matches the style of ancient Egyptian and Mesopotamian literary works from the days of the patriarchs. Ooh. Ooh, how you doing? Hit me with that. How you doing? The author makes no mention of any mosaic laws whatsoever or institutions. Hmm. Although we know that the events of, the, of Job most definitely occurred before the institution of the mosaic law, if the writer was present during these laws, he would have for sure mentioned them because they were impactful for their time. Mm. What about in Esther, though? Oh, oh, oh. oh. cliffhanger. Oh. You got to go back and listen to Esther to yes, see why it's not mentioned in there mm-hmm. because we talked about why. Okay, and the other reason is the name <laughs> Sadei. Am I saying it right? What? Sad day. It's a sad day. I don't know. In hell when you see Selena. Oh, yeah, that is sad. Yep. I like Selena. How Me is it too. spelled? S-A-D-D-A-Y. Just like sad day, but it's one word. Sadei. Sadei. Yeah. Sadei. So anyway, the name Sadei is used when talking about God, which was a name used of him during the time of the patriarchs. Are you doing? Okay. Yep. Wow. So Dear although Sadei. although we don't know who exactly wrote it, it seems likely that it was an ancient writer that lived around the same time of the events. Yes, and uh, I want to note that you mentioned uh, in there that this was most definitely written before the Mosaic Law. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of want to get into the support for that. Um, we know that Job took place during the very early years of biblical history, and there's several reasons why. Um, and I'm going to list off a few for you. The first one being that Job lived 140 years after the calamities happened to him. Um, so that means he lived to be approximately 210 years because the calamities happened when he was about 70 years old. Um, and people just didn't live that long outside of the early biblical history of the world. Uh, you don't see people in David's time or the judge's time or the exilic time well, living that um, long. 
It's that passage in Genesis where God says that he's going to shorten the lifespan of people. Right. Yeah. Um, and so you know this is early on just because of the fact that he lived 210 years and people lived long lives in in the patriarchal times. Um, and we actually hit on that point in the episode that we did with Adherent Apologetics. If you guys want to hear kind of a defense of long lives, um, go back to that episode. I think it's episode seven. Mm. The five Pentateuch problems. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's it's uh, episode seven or eight, five Pentateuch problems with Adherent Apologetics. And we talk about people living to like 900 years old and how that was possible. So that is, uh, that's one thing. Um, and I guess to support that, um, I wanted to mention that Abraham lived until he was 175. Isaac lived until he was 180 and Jacob, uh, lived to 147. So you see those lifespans also getting shorter and shorter. Um, so Joe probably predated Abraham as well. And we know obviously Moses came after Abraham. So this was really, really early history. And that's just the first point. Uh, I want to get into some other evidences that uh, prove that Job was a really, really early book. Uh, the next one is that Job's wealth was measured by his livestock. Um, and that was true of the patriarchal times. And it's one of the earliest forms of currency that we know of. Um, we knew a person was rich based on how many sheep and goats they had. Um, Isn't There's revelation prophecy about how money is going to go away again. I don't know. Right? I don't know. Yeah, there's, um, I forget if it's Daniel or Revelation, but it says the end times will be marked by like a lack of currency or something. I don't know. Mm. I'll have to look into that. If I know me, I'll just say that. Yep. And then not do it. Oh, you're like uh, most people. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So another point is that the Sabaeans and the Chaldeans or Chaldeans um, were still nomads. And that was true during Abraham's time, but they became city dwellers not much longer after Abraham died. Um, So they were still nomads during the time of the events in Job. Um, Also, Job's daughters were heirs to the estate along with his sons. That wouldn't be possible if the Mosaic law was put in place Mm. because the law laid out the requirement of handing off the estate to the sons. Um, So this clearly predates the Mosaic law. Um, and also like you mentioned, Nick, um, there's no references to any mosaic institutions besides that. And the writing style is similar to that of ancient Egypt and Mesopotamia, which are two things that you said. Um, but that just also is, a uh, another support that these happened very early on. Um, another thing is that many names in the book are known to be common ancient names. Uh, some of these names are Sheba, Tema, Eliphaz, Uz, and Job. It's actually a very common ancient name. Um, It was popular in the second millennium BC, Mm. and it was actually the name of a 19th 19th century BC prince. And we know that from the Egyptian execration texts that there was... Oh, hello. That... uh, How you doing? Say that over (laughs) Execration texts. I just had an execration in my throat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we know that there was a prince named Job as well back in those times. Um, So all that to say that Job, the events that actually happened in Job happened very early on 
um, in the history of the Bible that we have. Um, and it was also likely written very early on because the writing styles are that of ancient Egypt and Mesopotamia. So that is the date of the events. Next, it is time for... Oh, and I got a little head rub from Nikki. What? You just did that. Yeah, but you have to say it on a recording? Nick rubbed my head while that sound bite was going. It went down your neck. Mm. Mm. And then my back? No. Oh, Mm. yeah, he stopped at my neck. That was a lie. So it is time for fun facts. Is anyone excited? (laughs) (laughs) Job is not a fun book. It it's, can be. It's. Are you lying to me? I love it. It's not a fun book. Mm. But uh, oh. hit me, hit me, Ryan. Arker. First of all, what would you can what would you consider a fun book? Before I continue, Judges. Oh, you like all the death and stuff? It's so wild. Judges is not fun. It's wild. It's wild. Wild. Nick, do you have any fun books? I definitely didn't enjoy. Well, not that I didn't enjoy it, but I definitely think the Pentateuch is the toughest read. Uh, um, first and second Samuel, I think is pretty fun yeah. with, uh, Saul and David running, you know, running around trying to get each yeah. other and stuff oh, like that. Oh, with the hair in the tree. Yeah. L- lots of action. Oh yeah. That's that was Kings, right? Yeah. That was Kings. Oh yeah. Kings was kind of no, cool. Oh, that was second Samuel. The hair in the tree. Was that second Samuel? I thought it was Kings. Second Sammy. When he got stuck in the tree. Uh, Saul was, was still alive. No. No, Saul was no, dead. No, Saul was dead Saul, during that Saul time. Saul was deader than dead, bro. At the end of first, Saul Sammy. was first alive Sammy. up until he dies in first Sammy. He's still yes, first Sammy thirty-ish. I don't know because yeah. twenty-eight is the Witch of Endor, mm. where he conjures up Sammy. Yep, that's true. Anyways, Revelation the rails. Yeah. <laughs> Revelation's a fun book. Too. That is fun. So the first fun fact is that Job is thought to be one of the most masterfully written pieces of literature ever written, ever. Yeah, but you're a Christian, so your opinion is stupid. Yeah. Well, look at you. Not only is that true that I'm stupid, but it's also true (laughs) that it is one of the most masterfully written pieces of literature ever written. People don't even want to know the truth. And that's both inside and outside the Bible, people. Okay. So, I mean, obviously there's other beautiful books of the Bible and there's beautiful works outside the Bible. There's beautiful men. There's beautiful men inside the Bible. And also. But that's like saying that Shakespeare is beautiful, right? It's, I, I guess it depends on the person reading it. Sure. So anyways, it's full of all kinds of different literary structures, such as. Prose and poetry, Ooh. monologue and dialogue, Bruh. and ancient parallel writing structure. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are many uses of irony, Bruh. as well as a lot of legal dialogue. What? Yeah, legal dialogue. They use like legal terms. Oh, in the beginning, legal. right? Yeah. With um, yeah, when in the legal part, with the the counsel in heaven and oh, Satan, mm-hmm. and the prosecutor. Yeah. And the executor. Yeah. And then uh, on top of that, there's something called wisdom disputation, which is not something that I know what it is, but I know that it is in Job. Okay. 
Sick. Okay. Sick. And there's also laments in Job, which we see in books like Jeremiah and, you guessed it, Lamentations. Lamentations. <laughs> Lamentations is the other one. Hmm. Um, also, the writer has an amazing vocabulary. Um, there's dozens of words that occur nowhere else in the entire Old Testament. Um, they use five different words for lion, which is impressive because I only know one word for lion. Is the, you know that, um, what are those people who live in the snow? Oh, uh, snowmen. <laughs> <laughs> Eskimos? Yeah. I, I thought, I thought it, I heard it was like myth busted that they have all these words for snow when they really have like two or something. Oh, really? I don't know. I thought I heard that. Snow mm. and sleet. Um... Yeah, so they he uses five different words for lion. He uses six different words for trap and six different words for darkness throughout the text. Um, so he has a really wide vocabulary there. He also has a wide base of knowledge um, on different topics. So the writer talks about um, astronomy, geography. He has knowledge about hunting, about mining, about travel, weather, zoology and like i said before legal terminology Sick. um so whoever the author was they were incredibly intelligent and they were prolific um so i think that's a pretty fun fact another fun fact is that mark has something in his throat and then another fun fact is that the book asks one of the biggest questions we have to wrestle with why do we suffer however it kind of is a cliffhanger because it never really tells you the answer Bruh. as to why we suffer, which um, let's look forward to the next episode with our friend Cam Bertuzzi. Cameroon. Cameroon. Um, there's actually a country in Africa named Cameroon. Mm. Okay, so that's a fun fact. Can um, Cancun. <laughs> there's, there's a city named Cancun. Um, but Cameron, we are having a conversation with him next week. Um, about the problem of suffering and evil. So mm. stay tuned for that. Um, another fun fact about Job is that most people believe Job is the first book of the Bible to have ever been written, and that is including Genesis. So most people believe that Job predates Genesis. Mm. And lastly, three of Job's friends that come to speak to him are from different quote-unquote <laughs> countries so quote unquote yeah so i say quote unquote because i'm not really sure countries existed at this time i think it was more like different lands tribes yeah you could say that but essentially he had friends all over the small globe well he was like the richest guy right yeah he had connections for a time but then he was like the poorest guy well yeah yep until he wasn't. Until he got until double. Yes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> got double his wealth at the end. Dub's wealths. Mm. Um, so that is the fun facts. I hope you enjoyed them. I am lastly, before we get into the outline, going to share with you what I think may be the purpose <laughs> of writing the book. Um, I believe the purpose of Job is to reveal us God's nature and specifically parts of God's nature that we may not fully understand. Sure. I could see that. It's like the complexity of all the things that God has to look after. Right. On earth. Right. 
And it kind of just gives us a look into it, I think, and it kind of teaches us a little bit about his character. So I could see that. Humbling. Yeah. This uh, this book was tough for me. I couldn't wrap my mind around the story. So while studying it, I realized there's like two categories that you can fall into. Some people believe that everything in it was actual, literal um, events that happened. This uh, this trial God and Satan was in was actually literal. It happened. What and trial? In the beginning. In the beginning was the word. Oh, we just haven't gotten to the outline yet. Yeah, we're oh. going to get there. Oh. Yeah, we're going to get there. And then there's another camp that believe that it's... Uh, poetic. Poetic, symbolic, or, uh, you know, parabolic. Mm. Um, or meta- metabolic. Yeah, steroids. Um, anyway, <laughs> regardless of what camp you fall into, the events are here, and we're reading through them. There they are. Now it's time to get into the outline, baby. Let's do it, baby. All right. So the book of Job is separated into three parts. The prologue, which is chapters one and two. The second part is the dialogue, which is chapters three through 42. Oh, wow. The beginning of 42. Yikes. Really. (laughs) And then the third is the epilogue, which is chapter 42, verses seven through 17. It's a long book. Yeah, the um really the story happens in like chapter 1 and 2 and then the last chapter. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty much the only storyline in the entire book. The rest is just dialogue between Job and his boys and, his friends and, and stuff, then yeah. Job and God. Yeah. Everything is talking. When talking I when I first things. read Job, I was like, "Oh, his friends are very wise. They're giving him good advice." And then I had someone at school, someone wiser than me, be like, no, his <laughs> friends are dumb. Hmm. Yeah, we'll get yeah. into God actually yeah. punishing the friends. We're going to get into that in a few. Yeah. But when you first open the book of Job, it kind of sets you up for failure here. It's telling you how awesome this guy is. Yeah, chapters 1, verse 1 through 5. The Bible says that Job was blameless, upright, rich, and godly. Oof. And then just a few short verses after. You have in this really weird scenario where Satan and God are having this conversation and they decide that it would be okay to test Job and his faith in God. The first test that we see (laughs) in chapter one through two, um, which is technically labeled Job's calamities. Um, Yeah, but the, the first test that we see is in chapter one, six to 22. And Job's servants were killed. His livestock was burned in a fire. His, his camels, his camels were stolen. Oh, I hate when that happens. Yeah, bro. <laughs> One day when I woke up, I was like, "Yo, where my camels at, son?" <laughs> you asked your son where your camels are. <laughs> yeah. Um, the house his kids were in collapsed and killed them. Uh, oh, that's true. Nick doesn't have a son. Yeah. Yeah. So let me get this straight. Yeah. This is the first test, which would be enough for me, honestly. Um, the house his kids were in, in collapse and killed them. Job, sa- Job says, naked I came into the world, and naked I shall return. After all that, and he blessed God. He said, you know what? I had nothing when I started this. I got nothing now. We're good. Mm. So he showed his character there. Um, we're going to see his character evident throughout this entire book, but this is brutal for me. How about um, we get upset when we stub our toe? Yeah. 
And we blame God. Yeah, like my car broke down three times this week, God, and I'm getting angry. Meanwhile, this guy had nothing left after the first test. Mm. Okay. The second test we see is in chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. And guess what, guys? It doesn't get any better. <laughs> he was struck with sores from head oh, yeah. to toe. Oof. Sores. <laughs> this is this is some sorious stuff here. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. So uh, Job gets these two tests done to him. Um, but luckily he has some comforters. Oh, luckily. Yeah. We'll find out that he's not so lucky. Yeah. With these quote unquote. We see these comforters coming in. Oh, like when he sleeps, he like puts on a comforter. Yeah. Yeah. He has a quilt from Sears. I'm more of a duvet guy these days. Duvet? A bidet? No, isn't that like a hat? No, a bidet is a a toilet. Oh, is it? It's the toilet that shoots water at you. That cleans. Yeah. (laughs) What am I thinking of? Beret? Oh, maybe. Sheet? Um, Bed sheet? Um, anyways, yeah, I'm a duvet guy. I don't even know what that is. It's like um, what old ladies have. It's like... Um, Look at you. I don't know, but comforters are kind of whack to me now. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't about. use comforters. What, what are the, what's the alternative from a regular a duvet. blanket? A duvet. you got to show me. You have them downstairs? Yeah, it's, it's on my bed right now. Let's All go. Right. Uh, let's you go. You got to show me this duvet. Oh, we're at my house right now, guys. Yes. Just so everyone knows. So we are in like our fourth studio. Well, it's not so much a studio as it is more so my attic. (laughs) (laughs) It's efficient, nonetheless. Mm. Anyway, Job comes in contact with these comforters, a.k.a. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Bildad. That is the first part. That is the prologue. The second part, which is the large part, which is most of the book, is the dialogue. And that's in chapter 3 through the beginning of chapter 42. And that starts with Job's personal lament in chapter 3. Um, And his personal lament in the first part is that he wishes he had not been born. Mm. That's his first wish. His second wish is that he wishes that he died at birth. And then his third wish was that he wishes he could die presently. (laughs) So that's the three wishes, that he had not been born, that he had died at birth, and that he could die right now. Mm. So that's a waste of your three wishes. That sounds good. Um, So then after that is chapters 4 through 14. And these are the primary speeches between Job and his three friends. And when I say primary, I don't mean most important. I just mean the first. Um, so Eliphaz's first speech was in chapters four and five. And basically what he does is he just blames Job and says that Job probably sinned. Mm, that's and, right. and that's why these things happened. Then in chapters six through seven is Job's first reply to Eliphaz. And his reply is basically that he wants to die again and that his friends are not being sympathetic towards him and the calamities that just happened. Then after that in chapter eight is Bildad's first speech. And what he does is he takes his time to tell Job that he should repent. So he is kind of a solution seeker. And he says that Job, what you need to do to avoid more calamities is repent um, and then 9 and 10, chapters 9 and 10, Job has his first reply to Bildad. And 
he basically just despairs and talks about God's strength here. Um, so he's kind of like blessing God and despairing at the same time in his response to Bildad. And then on, on top of that, towards the end, he once again wishes he was never born. Um, so through all this, through all the calamity and everything, he's also kind of despairing at the same time um, and wishing he was never born and wishing he was dead and stuff like that. Then following that in chapter 11 is Zophar's first speech. Um, and what he says is the best by far that Job deserves worse than the things that already happened to him. Mm. Um, so he's definitely a great friend to have around um, when bad things happen. <laughs> he said that Job should have gone through worse things. And Job's first reply to Zophar was in chapters 12 through 14. And he says that although these calamities are happening to, happening to him, he still knows that God is all-powerful and can do what he pleases. And he also kind of rebukes his friends and says that they're lying and that he knows about God and he knows what they're saying is not true. Um, so those are the first speeches between Job and his three friends. The second, the secondary speeches, or just basically the second set of speeches, happen between chapters 15 through 21. So we're just going to keep on rolling here. Um, and that starts with Eliphaz's second speech. Um, so it goes basically in sequential order with the friends. The first one, the second one, and the third one kind of go mm -hmm. in order for every um, segment of speeches. So this is Eliphaz's second speech. And he says in this speech that Job doesn't fear God. Um, and Job's reply to Eliphaz is in chapter 16 and 17. And what he says is basically that his friends are awful comforters and that he has no hope anymore because God is afflicting him. Um, so it's more just mourning, lamenting. And then Bildad follows that up with his second speech. And basically he kind of generalizes and says that calamity is waiting for wicked people which obviously he's talking about Job, but he's sort of a passive-aggressive person, clearly. Mm. And so he says, wicked people get calamity, Job. But, you know, just it could be any wicked person. Right. Not, mm -hmm. not specifically talking about you, Job. So then Job's second reply to Bildad is um, basically that his friends' words are bearing down on him and he can't take the weight. Um and then he actually has a quick shimmer of hope towards the end of this chapter. Um, and he talks about how he has hope to see his redeemer one day. And so it's a little glimmer of hope in all of this darkness and sadness um, that he is looking forward to one day seeing his redeemer. Um, and that word is actually used, which I like, because that's kind of like a foreshadowing of Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, Isn't that where the song My Redeemer Lives comes from? Yes. Mm -hmm. Natalie Grant? No. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Okay. So after that is um, Zophar's second speech, and that's in chapter 20. And in his speech, he says that God will send his anger on the wicked. Uh, and Job replies to that by saying in chapter 21 that wicked people actually do pretty well and that everything his friends have been saying have been false. And before you show me your phone, Mark, I know that it's Nicole C. Mullen. 
You're correct. Hey! <laughs> also says, is she in Hillsong? No. It says Hillsong also. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe. Their, v- their version is well-known. Okay. It's probably super Hillsong-y, you know? Like yeah. very ambiance Not that song. It's upbeat. Is it? I know my redeemer. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of a different one. <laughs> which one he's... Which one? My Redeemer. That's the Hillsong one. Oh, that's the one. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the old school Hillsong one. Okay. Anyways, um, so, yeah, that's the second segment of speeches. Before we get into the third segment of speeches, I think think our listeners need to break this up a little bit. It's a little bit heavy. Heavy. So just take a moment to reflect on what we just spoke about first and second segments of speeches. And before we move on, I think it's important to do... Breaking news on Bible Dinger's News Network. Not a little breakup, you know what I mean? A little breakup. A little breakup in the heaviness. A little breakup. We should get my daughter to do that live. Oh, yeah, we could. I mean, that's just a random kid, but my daughter could do it. That was your daughter. Yeah, it was. I'm it was definitely your daughter. She's downstairs. Former atheist Brad Pitt becomes a Christian as he recovers from alcoholism. Is fake news or real news? I know whenever I'm drunk, I'm an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> good so point, I Ryan. can see that happening. <laughs> That's a good point. You know? Yeah. Usually when I'm drunk, I'm a Buddhist. <laughs> yeah. That beer makes me Hindu. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to say that that may be a real headline, but I'm also going to go out on a limb here and say that the actual news is fake. Like so, it's from a fake web, like um, a satire website. Like I'm saying the headline, follow me, could be on NBC.com or some quote-unquote real news website. Oh. However, I believe the news contained within the article is probably not real. I see what you're saying. Do you see what I'm saying there? Like, yes, it's a real headline, but did Brad Pitt really become a Christian? Yes, it's quote-unquote real news. However, I'm skeptical. As we mentioned earlier in this episode, that I'm just a skeptic. Hopeless. I'm a hopeless skeptic. That seems like a really bad reason to become a Christian. Yeah. Or, I mean, maybe if you can pull up the headline, the um, I'm not drunk you know, anymore, so God's real. <laughs> you guys can look up the headline because we need to move on. You won't find it, though. Through Job. But, apparently it's true. He left alcoholism. He got really uh, discouraged by... His up, his Christian upbringing. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can do this. So he left the religion, an act of rebellion, mm. but he didn't really mean it. He was just being rebellious. Ooh. So he used to just say he's an atheist just for the sake of being rebellious against what church told him to do. But apparently he's Christian. You know what? Kudos to him. I hope he is. Mm. Yeah, I hope so too. I really hope he is. Me too. We could have a Christian Mr. and Mrs. Smith movie. Yeah, that'd be sick. On Pure Flix. Mr. and Mrs. Smith? 
Yeah, you, with him and Angelina Jolie. Yeah, really where they're and then he can other. leave her. <laughs> then he can leave her and then get into a Christian. Oh, he could marry Lauren Daigle or something like that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what if you have like Ooh, a new Fight Club? Mark didn't like that because he wants to marry Lauren Daigle. I don't like Lauren Daigle. Oh, that's right, because you don't like talented people. You got me. <laughs> didn't you propose to Lauren Daigle? Um, we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> What? That was Carrie Job, but oh, I was you proposed to Carrie Job. I did. No joke. Yeah, no, no joke. joke. Wait, did you go to school with her or something? No, I didn't know her. He was in a concert. It was right? a joke. I was he, at a Carrie Job concert, and she okay. was singing, and he was in the crowd. And me and a few people snuck backstage, and we found her, and I proposed to her. After meeting her for the first time. Yeah, yeah. It's hallmark. But she basically just laughed. Wait, were you being real? Kind of hurt me because you look funny. <laughs> Wait, so you never because met her I'm before? So I, ugly. Didn't, I didn't know this. You never even knew her. No, I thought you really knew her. No. Did you have a ring? No. <laughs> you think she would have said yes if I had a ring? Absolutely. <laughs> Show me the ring. Yeah, I guess. Show so. me the money. That's what she said. I'm sure she doesn't even remember it. But if you remember it, Carrie Jo, and you're listening to this episode, you hurt me. So. <laughs> Yeah, after he proposed to someone he never met. That's like the book of Job when he gets everything taken away. I wish yeah. I had never been born. At, at that you know moment. what this reminds me of? The third conversation he had with his oh, friends. Oh, yeah. It's just like that. Just like that. You because know, Eliphaz. He proposed and then his wife died. He proposed that this is why you're going through all these oh! things. <laughs> How you doing? Bible dinger. That's sick. Dinger. That is sick. Um, that's me sick. So, Anyways. okay. So the third cycle of speeches between Job and his three friends are in chapters 22 through 27. In chapter 22, we hear about Eliphaz's third speech. And he says that Job is wicked. And that if he repents and turns back to God, his suffering will stop. As if Eliphaz isn't wicked. Yes. Ooh. As if this was all Job's fault. And then in chapters 23 through 24, we see Job's third reply to Eliphaz. He wants to speak to God, but God is hiding from him. And besides, nothing bad happens to wicked people. Oh, okay. It's easier to think that, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Hard times. Yeah, like we see um, all these celebrities that, yeah. like, that don't believe in God and they have billions of dollars, right? Billions. But we see these atheists that have Ferraris. Like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think, I think it's easy to say. hits on that, too. Um, well, that's what he said. The wicked prosper or something like that. Mm. Which then leads to Bildad's third speech in chapter 25. And he says something pretty good. He says that man is nothing compared to God. All right. And then Job, of course, replies in chapters 26 to 27. And pretty much in his great character... Um, he says that God is great and mighty. You know, I think I'd like to mention in this third cycle of speeches, Zophar does not say anything. Mm. So significant? Probably not. But interesting? Yes. Definitely. I definitely think that's interesting as well. Mm -hmm. I didn't even notice that, to be honest with you. Yeah. There must be some poetic reason as to why he's not in it. Oh, so poetic. Po poetic justice? Oh. <sighs> yeah. How you doing? All right, so in chapters 28 through 31, we see Job's concluding monologue. 
And um, it starts in chapter 28 where we see Job's discourse on God's wisdom. And he says, of course, I really admire Job, I have to say. He says that wisdom comes from nowhere else but God. Um, And Job's defense of his innocence is in chapters 29 through 31. He begins by reminiscing on when things were good in chapter 29. And then in 30, he talks about his current turmoil. In 31, he makes his appeal that he has remained righteous and that he should not be suffering. He's like pleading with God. Mm. Um, he wants this to stop. Yes. So after the third set of speeches and then Job's concluding monologue to these three friends, then we see the fourth friend, Elihu, or Elihu. Elihu. Or Elihu. Um and his speeches are in chapters 32 through 37. Now, we like Elihu. Or who? Should I say Elihu? Elihu. Elihu. <laughs> okay. Bless you. So, um, we, you will see why we like Elihu. But basically, it starts out with his introduction in chapter 32 in the beginning. And you see here that he was upset for a couple of reasons. Firstly... Because Job seemed to be putting his trust in his own good works. Um, And then secondly, because the three friends were not correctly answering Job's issues. Um, So Elihu was upset about those two things. And then we see Elihu's first speech in the rest of chapter 32 into um, chapter 33. And he begins by saying that wisdom doesn't come from age. It comes from God. Um, And this is a rebuke directed towards the three friends. And then after that, he says that God allows a man to suffer and then pulls him back from the suffering that the man may have peace. Uh, He says that we cannot fully comprehend God in this first speech. Um, So all good points, all valid points, legit. Then comes Elihu's second speech in chapter 34, And in this speech, he says that God is perfectly just in what he does, and he rebukes Job's words of unbelief towards God. Um, And then his third speech comes in chapter 35, and in this speech, he rebukes Job again. And what he rebukes Job for is for saying that wicked are blessed and that the righteous have no advantage. So basically, he's rebuking Job for these laments um, where he's basically questioning God and questioning the morality of life and, and all that stuff. Um, and then the fourth and final speech is in chapters 36 and 37, and basically this whole speech just talks about the greatness and the majesty of God. Um, so Elihu comes at Job with all really good points, really valid points. Again, still not talking about the reason why we suffer, which kind of leaves you on a cliffhanger a little bit, but he is making good points about God, about life, about um, man and sin and all those things. So we like Elihu. Um, so following the fourth friend, Elihu, we see the cycle of speeches between Job and God. Um, and this is chapter 38 through the beginning of chapter 42. Um, this starts with God's first speech. And this is chapters 38 through 40. And in this speech, God talks about all the things that he created and controls, um, which is basically everything. Yeah, he's like, where were you, Job, when I made the ocean? Yeah. And I think this is the passage where 
God is like, gird your loins because I got to talk to you about some stuff. You know what I'm talking about? The the one that people make fun of? I don't know. Do people make fun of that? I think people just think gird your loins is funny. I mean, it's kind of funny. But it's also, I mean, if you're Job, that's scary because um, what happens, well, girding your loins is like picking up your your loins. It's <laughs> a good word. No, it's a robe, right? Yeah, you're basically picking it up and getting ready to run, to run. or to fight or something like that. Um, What's so, a loin? Uh, like you would stick it in the crock pot. And, uh, oh, okay. So anyways, God's basically telling Job to pony up because you're about to get a butt whoop with via words, though, not physically. Yeah. Even mm. though physically he already got a butt whoop. But anyways, um, so God basically talks about how he created and controls everything. Side note about God's speech about creation in Job. In two episodes, we have our good friend Dr. Hugh Ross on the show, and we speak about um, the presence of the creation account in Job and how Job and other portions of the Bible might be pointing to an old earth and how you can kind of marry modern-day science with the Bible and how it doesn't have to be in conflict, so on and so forth. Not going to get too far into it, but stay tuned. That's going to be in two episodes. Um, Anyways. Back to Job. So um, at the end of his first speech, he asked Job um, if he knows how all these things work and if he's in control of them, basically saying like, hey, were you actually part of this? Do you know me and how big I am? So on and so forth. Basically just humbling Job. Um, and then we see Job's first reply to God and his first reply his reply. His first reply is awesome because it's two verses and his reply is that he is not going to reply. Hmm. Um, so basically God humbles Job and then Job comes back with a humble response. He's like, okay. Um, and then God comes at Job with a second speech and that's in chapters 40 and 41. And in his second speech, he talks about how he created the behemoth and the Leviathan and how these animals won't answer to Job, but they do answer to God. This um, is, people pull up this passage when they want to talk about dinosaurs. Right. They think that's that might be what they're talking about. Mm. Right. Right. Yeah, so some people do believe that um, the behemoth and Leviathan are dinosaurs. Some other people believe that it's a hippo and an alligator, actually. Yeah. Um, and then some people say that it's an extinct type of whale. Um, the truth is we really don't know what the behemoth and Leviathan are, but they are core pieces of God's second speech. So I don't just throw it in there to throw in a fun fact about the behemoth and the Leviathan. Those are like the main focus of God's second speech about how Job cannot control these massive, what's the word I'm looking for? Intimidating creatures, but God can. Mm -hmm. And these creatures do answer to God. Basically, just another way of humbling Job and saying that you don't hold the key, that you don't know the answers exactly. to life, but I do because I'm in control. Um, and so after all that, Job's second reply to God is in um, the beginning of chapter 42. And this kind of ends the, I guess you could say, dialogue between Job and God. However, it's mostly a monologue of God just talking to Job. But Job repents 
and he reveals that he doesn't truly understand all of God's ways. Um, and so that concludes the conversation piece or the dialogue of the book of Job. It has the three friends and then it has Elihu, which is the fourth friend. And then it ends with the dialogue between God and Job. Um, and then that is the entire second portion of Job. The third portion and the last portion is the epilogue. And that's only 10 verses. Um, that's verses 7 through 17 in chapter 42. And that is Job's friends in verses 7 through 9. And God tells them in this portion that they are wrong in what they spoke. And that they should offer sacrifices in order to repent of their sins of lying on God's behalf. So uh, one thing I want to mention is that although the book of Job doesn't give you an answer on why we suffer, it does tell you that this is not why we suffer. And he gives all the, all of the friends speeches on what they said on why Job is suffering. And then God in the end tells them, you need to repent for lying on my behalf because that is not why Job is suffering. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a good thing to think about. And then lastly, um, the final portion, verses 10 through 17, are the only other, uh, I guess, narrative part of the book. And that's where God restored everything that Job lost twofold. Um, so he got his riches back. He got his property back. He got his flocks back. He got his he got more children and so on and so he forth. He got the children back. Well, right, he got new children, other children, yeah. So, yeah, and that is how the book of Job ends. So, God asked them to make sacrifices. Yeah, is that not that's not the Mosaic law? Not yet. You actually do see sacrifices before the Mosaic law is in place. You see Abraham sacrificing. Oh yeah. Um, you see obviously Isaac sacrificing and Jacob. Um, so there are hints of the Mosaic law before mm -hmm. it's actually put in place, mm. but that is a good that is a good yeah. Um, observation. Yes, for sure. Yeah, well, that was our episode on the Book of Job. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you open up your Bibles and continue reading through your Bible. Just just don't take our word for it. Don't just listen to the episode. Open your Bible, and I also want to take a moment to tell you. That although we are studying the history of the Bible, we are studying some stories in the Old Testament. If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't proclaimed him as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity that if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on BibleDingers at gmail.com. And we will walk you through this process of making Jesus your Savior. But that was our episode on the book of Job. And uh, we want you to listen to our other episodes. So go online, BibleDingers.com. Or go on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, and it's at Bible Dingers. But while you're there, make sure you don't stop. Make sure you don't you don't go to another page. While you're there, just give me the likes. Don't pass and scroll. Don't pass and scroll. Hit subscribe. Hit follow. Hit like. Ding on. Bible dingers. I was broken under my skin in the shadows. I was hiding.